Another Look, the podcast bringing back a personal pop culture recommendation with Ren and Roger. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Give It a Look. And this time, it's Turkey. My name is Rojo. I am here with my co-host, Rin. Rin, we have decided that we're going to be shills for the American candy industry, the American costume industry. Tell me, what uh, is the best Halloween costume you've ever dressed up as? I reckon last year I dressed up as Belle, but like Village Belle from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And so I did it at my workplace at the time. Yeah, I kind of just walked around like Belle and I twirled around in my dress and I just had the best time. Like I was Belle. Do you, have you had any good costumes? I haven't done a lot of, of dressing up. My ideal costume would probably be as one of the tethered from uh, the Jordan Peele film Us. All you need is like a burgundy jumpsuit, a uh, leather glove and a big ass pair of scissors and a creepy smile. That always helps. You'll do that well then. Thank you. This is our Halloween special, which we forgot to mention. So uh, we're in for a grand old spooky time. Our adoring fans have been leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And my favourite this week comes from Richard Pitcher, who gives us five stars and says, love the different views and opinions and absolutely loved when they ripped into Twilight. Had me in stitches. Give it a listen. Thank you very much, Richard Pitcher. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really, really appreciate it. We love a good review and you might get mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> so this week we are back to our OG format looking at uh, movies. So uh, the two of us have given each other a Halloween spooky horror movie that the other has uh, not seen back to front. And we're going to get a little bit of feedback from the other person as well as a spookiness rating. So we are going to say whether these films were spooky, spooky or too spooky for me. We're going to start with your recommendation to me, Rin. What was it? I gave you uh, the 1993 Tim Burton's uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I love this film. I'm a big Tim Burton fan. He didn't actually direct this movie. It was actually Henry uh, Selick. So um, Henry Selick, he actually has done a few other films that I quite like. Uh, He's directed Coraline, which I'm a big fan of as well, uh, and James and the Giant Peach. Going back to Tim Burton, uh, he created The Nightmare Before Christmas. This was his idea. Basically, he just didn't have the time to direct it because of the sl- how slow stop-motion filming can take. And he was also working on, like, you know, the Batman movies at the time. Uh, so he's just uh, pro- uh, a producer in, uh, for this film. I, I, I love this film. It's just, I don't know, I think it brings back that nostalgia for me. And, well, this film and I, we are also the same age. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I, it's like I grew up with it you know, a bit. And so we start the film in Halloween Town where the beings that live there um, kind of like monsters and ghouls and, you know, things that kind of go bump in the night. Do you think in future we'll say things that go Trump in the night and it'll mean like the same <laughs> spooky kind of thing? Uh, anyway, uh, you know, Jack Skellington, who is known as the Pumpkin King uh, within their community, is basically the guy in charge of running Halloween festivities every year. You know, for Jack, he begins to feel tired, you know, bored of the same routine and goes out walking, you know, pondering if there's more to life than just Halloween. Uh, you know, he struggles with these thoughts and, you know, has a sing about it as well. <laughs> You know, he stumbles across these trees uh, which have different doors to different, like, you know, holiday-themed 
towns. So he enters the Christmas town door and discovers like the warmth and the wonder of the holiday, which is Christmas. You know, he's never experienced it before. He's only ever known Halloween in his whole life. Uh, So, you know, it it really, you know, sparks a bit of joy for him. So he um, decides to bring Christmas back with him uh, to, to Halloween town and decides we should take over Christmas this year kind of thing. And, you know, the townspeople are like, oh, what is this? We've never heard of this in our lives. You know, they don't really know how to not do Halloween. They start to make toys, you know, for the kids for Christmas and things like that. And they're actually quite uh, terrifying. (laughs) It's a great film. It's got, you know, there's songs in it if you're like into those kind of movies as well. I really love Tim Burton's kind of like quirkiness as well. His looks for his characters are very specific. A lot of his characters generally tend to have like sunken eyes and, you know, there's there's always stripes around or like like a, kind of like a spiral, I suppose. So it, he, his looks are very distinct uh, in a lot of his films. Um, but yeah, please, Roger, please tell me what you thought of this film because I, I love it. Please tell me what you think. Cool. So my first time through with this uh, well-beloved Halloween slash Christmas film, really the first thing that hits you is just the exceptional artistry that is in this film at every level. I mean, this thing is almost 30 years old now and is just painstakingly made with this stop-motion animation. They're not just dealing with, you know, solid objects and characters moving around, but they're dealing with things like porous material, like brains, or there's a character whose face is constantly in a state of melting, like wax. You can imagine how long it would take to adjust these really, really tiny details. You know, they can even get the quivering of a lip of a character. Such incredible detail. Oh, it is. And I think for Jack, I think they had over 400 heads for him. There's singing faces, angry faces. So it just goes to show like how much detail goes into this these films as well. Mm. I like stop motion. I just like the detail, you know, and the effort that really goes into them. It, as an art form, it's come so far to the mm. the point that I think in the early days, it could be quite uncanny because mm-hmm. we just didn't have the technology to capture the amount of frames that we needed to. Kind of intros uh, Halloween Town and uh, everyone's kind of horny for Jack because he's just <laughs> such a, a great scarer. They are, seriously, the witches are just like, oh, Jack, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> but he's got his true love, Sally. Sally's all right as a character. I kind of found that subplot a little bit not as interesting. No, she wasn't really that involved, really. But she's voiced by Catherine O'Hara. Bebe. She's worked with Tim Burton a few times as well, like though in Beetlejuice. Uh, and actually the mayor of Halloween Town was voiced by uh, Glenn Sheddix, who was also in Beetlejuice. It's funny because Beetlejuice reminds me of Alec Baldwin, uh, which reminds me of the absolutely horrible mm. news that came out of his latest film, uh, almost like a real-life horror story that, yeah, hoping everyone's okay with all that. Yeah, no, that was very sad. Jack was, vo- like, his singing voice was by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman has worked in so many movies, so many TV shows. He he wrote the theme for uh, The Simpsons and also uh, Desperate Housewives, like, just to name a few. But there's so many, like, that he's worked on, like, written music or he's, you know, he's done the scoring and he's or he's written songs. Yeah, very talented man. Such a, a celebrated and prolific composer, you know, and one-time uh, alternative pop star back in the 80s with uh, Oingo Boingo 
Duolingo. Duolingo, weird science <laughs> yep. and all that. Yeah, this is a real showcase for him. I think uh, when it came to the music, a lot of it is kind of a bit slight and a bit very expositional. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them stand out. There's a, a song called What's This, which Jack sings when he first comes mm-hmm. to Christmas Town, uh, which I thought was quite charming. My uh, other favourite was the Oogie Boogie Man's uh, intro song oh, yeah. uh, as well, because all of a sudden <laughs> everything turns into like a New Orleans casino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's this fabulous neon glow to everything and the vocal performance uh, of uh, the Oogie Boogie Man is fantastic. Jack's a little bit of a, a dullard, but he kind of means well. I thought it was funny how coming back to Halloween Town, he is trying to like dissect Christmas and figure out yeah. exactly what it is that... <laughs> he's doing all these lotions and potions and going, but what does that mean? Yeah, you know? he's like trying to do this scientific <laughs> uh, method thing to explain um, the charm. Uh, I also liked the fact that the Halloween inhabitants were creating these horror versions of, of classic <laughs> Christmas toys. Yeah. I got to say, part of the, the climax of this film is, is Jack actually starting to deliver these presents. And, mm. you know, this is a kid's film, but it's it can be quite full on and suggestive with mm. some of the stuff mm-hmm. it's, it's putting out there. Some of these scenarios would, would fit quite well into like an installment of Child's Play or something like that, these kind of mm. horror toys mm. or haunted toys or whatever. It's funny you say that because Disney didn't want to put this film under their name title because they thought it was going to be too scary for children. Tim Burns had a bit of a relationship with Disney in the past because he worked as a animator as well. Did you get a chance to watch um, Vincent? So Vincent is a 1982 kind of uh, like a short film by Tim Burton based on his love of Vincent Price who was the, you know, he's kind of like the king of old school horror in a way. Um, yeah, so if you ever get a chance, like it's only six minutes, watch it on YouTube. It's really great. I remember I first watched it when I went to the Tim Burton exhibition years ago. It was at Acme in um, in Melbourne uh, years ago. I was visiting um, Melbourne and I was like, I have to go see this. I have to go see this. I love Tim Burton's work. And it was just amazing. Yeah, Vincent was really a really great short. I think I was reading he got in trouble from Disney for spending their money. <laughs> on these kind of things and was like, okay, maybe we should part ways. <laughs> but obviously, you know, he's come back a few times to, you know, with Disney as well after his career's kind of taken off a bit. I think the bottom line is, yeah, this is very much Halloween Junior and and um, uh, has the kind of aesthetic and iconography for younger audiences. Yeah, I don't know. If you're a parent out there, it might be worth giving it a look uh, before you show it to your First, kids. Yeah. But I'm sure that's, you know, something uh, you probably do anyway kind of thing or, yeah. or maybe you're already familiar with Ed Steele. I was looking through the cast, very interesting to see whose line is it anyway, regular Greg Proops doing uh, additional uh, voices. Yep. So uh, on a rewatch, I'm going to see if I can pick where he comes in. Yeah, really ramps up towards the end with this kind of showdown between uh, Jack and the Oogie Boogie Man, it, which is just a, a lot of fun. I love that Jack is just like, don't worry, Sandy Claus, we're going to take over Christmas this year. You know, <laughs> we're going to do it our way. You don't even have to worry, like as if he's doing them a favour. Yeah. <laughs> kind of ends on the note that he kind of fails at doing Mm. Christmas well. Like he does it badly and yet it still gives him a new lease on life. He kind of goes, well, you know, next time I'm going to be more integrative. I'm going to, (laughs) you know, use my skill sets and my strengths along Mm. with something that I'm still working on. And maybe that's a good good way to to wrap up any kind of lesson. And I think through his failure, it kind of reunites his love for Halloween as well. Mm. Like he's like, oh, actually, this is what I'm great at and I'm going to keep going. Mm. 
<laughs> What's your verdict? Yeah, I'm going to say give it a look. Really impressive technical achievements. Very influential for people of our generation. A million goths were born when they watched this film. Yes, yes, I think so. It's quite short as well, probably because it was quite expensive. In terms of spookiness rating, I'm going to give it spoopy. Pretty low on that scale. There's nothing here that's uh, too full on or, you know, wormed its way into my dreams or anything like that. Maybe give it a look before you're youngins. Now, it was really cool to uh, finally see it for the first time. Yay. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you liked it. Because, yes, I'm a big Tim Burton fan, so maybe I'll be popping uh, some more films on, uh, on our list. Before I give you my recommendation, we wanted to take a little sidebar and talk a little bit about uh, the horror genre in a wider respect. So, Rin, tell me a little bit about you and horror. I don't know. I get, you know, some people, they, they don't like the horror, but I think for me, I kind of get that thrill. It depends, again, on that horror. Like, I'm not a big fan of just, like, full-on gory slasher horrors because I'm just like, oh, it's just a bit the same. Oh, I don't need to see that. Oh, you know, and then the things go through my head where I'm like, oh, that would be a lot to clean up, you know, <laughs> things like that. I, the kind of horror I like is more like the paranormal kind of horror or like a, you know, psychological horror, like the ones that kind of make you think a bit as well and you kind of get the clues along the way. Um, years ago when the remake of It came out, no one wanted to go see it with me, so I just went by myself <laughs> at the cinema. But it was so funny. I just remember the lady next to me, she had a, her jumper and she's like covering her eyes and I'm like, you're right, mate, it's okay. <laughs> but I suppose everyone gets a different reaction, don't they? They kind of get that scare but they get a thrill out of it but then there's some people that are genuinely like, please don't, <laughs> this is terrifying, you know. Yeah, I like to be scared a little bit, I suppose. But it's so funny because in general life, loud noises scare me or if even if someone's just suddenly behind me, I'm like, ah. yeah, exactly. I'm so jumpy. <laughs> what about you, mate? What do you think? <laughs> I don't like horror. <laughs> and part of that is historical and part of that is kind of a more yeah. recent thing. So, Rin, you'll attest that you had to kind of drag me kicking and screaming to even do this episode yeah. and to even entertain yes. looking at horror films. That's why you got a spoopy film. <laughs> and I was like vetoing every film you were giving me. Like, yeah. oh, well, maybe you can watch The Conjuring. I'm like, nope. Next one. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. The bottom line is I don't like feeling scared. You articulated really well why people do like scary movies because of that feeling of conquering something in a mm. simulated environment. It is the same reason why people jump out of planes and um, and do all that extreme stuff. Maybe I'd be one of those people. Yeah, yeah which is also something I'm not <laughs> super partial to. I think it's the adrenaline. You kind of get pumped by it. You're like, oh, yes, I did it, you know. I know myself and I know my body and I know it takes me kind of longer to regulate. Mm. It can take me longer mm -hmm. to realise, okay, that wasn't like real kind of things. So mm -hmm. that's not to say that I've never, that I don't have, you know, examples of the genre that I like. I mean, I mm. remember watching like the Aliens films at a, a very young age. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, I think, where, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of those films. <laughs> yeah. And just falling in love with the practical effects of, you know, Stan Winston and his incredible work in that respect. And I think practical effects in the genre should almost always, you know, take centre stage. I'm also mm. a big fan of, you know, uh, like the horror films of Jordan Peele, the Dead Space series of games as well. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, stuff like this. But I often enjoy horror more when it's a, a flavouring rather than a meal, when it's kind of mixed up into something that dulls its impact uh, a bit into like a comedy horror or mm. horror as social 
commentary because uh, I think a lot of it can bore me as well. If, if the only thing you're going for is the two hours of jump scare, I mean, that's fine, but that's kind of been done. I also, um, I don't understand the obsession with horror prequels because the prequel is interested in making you understand the story behind Freddy Krueger or whatever, which mm. creates empathy. And empathy is like a horror killer. It's obviously a, a money grab thing. And more recently, so we both live in Melbourne, which, you know, has the dubious honour of being the most locked down city in the world, 263 days or something itself. like that. And life in the last 18 months has been really hard and really mm. distressing for me. Mm. And mm-hmm. so especially recently, horror has been like the last thing on my mind because I have no desire to add to that distress. I could do without the garishness and mm. the ultraviolence and stuff. I think when when life is is more balanced and stuff, mm. that's when we're a bit more fascinated about, oh yeah, but what if, what if, ooky spooky, whatever. But when, when life is hard, I think we kind of flip the other way. And so yeah. that's why I've been watching Ted Lasso and Rewatching the community and things that make me feel good. Light-hearted things, yeah. Sometimes when you watch a, 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 you know, a scary film, you kind of got to put on a Disney film afterwards to kind of calm yourself down, right? (laughs) Yeah, it do be like that sometimes. One film that came up in conversation with you earlier is, uh, which had a profound impact on me, is the 2002 M. Night Shyamalan film Signs. Oh, I actually, I like that film. I know a lot of people don't and they think it's, you know, a bit uh, shit, but I, I don't know. I remember watching it and going, ooh, spooky, like, oh, it's a bit eerie, you know. Well, for me, I saw that when it came out when I was 10 years old and mm. that was high up on the too spooky for me scale at the yeah. time. There's that scene where the, the alien, like, walks across, right, and, and you yes. go, oh, oh, my God, it's actually happening. The music is extremely effective, more of a suspense mm. um, yeah. thing than outright horror. And the ending is kind of, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, mm. I know what it's trying to do thematically, but it can seem a little bit dumb. That was really my first exposure to kind of a bigger, more kind of existential horror because a lot mm-hmm. of it is them coming to terms with this alien invasion. And, yeah, and what they're it's, not the only ones around, you know. And it's just eerie. Like, it's so eerie. There's, you know these kids reading this book with these pictures and they're like, that looks exactly like our house and it's got this yeah. house going up in flames and yeah. I'm like wigging out and I, I honestly like could not stay home by myself for like a year after that. Yeah, it was really bad, Rin. <laughs> I'll put a link to a video of someone who's who's recut the hereditary trailer to be like a comedy. Actually, that's one I need to watch. I've heard it's really effed up. I'm not going to touch it. All right, yeah. no worries. Subtle so, gets under uh, your skin. Move on. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, we're going to head to my recommendation for you. And this is a great example of a horror film that really did hit that sweet spot of a comedy horror uh, mashup. 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods was written by King of the Nerds, Joss Whedon, (laughs) and Drew Goddard, who was one of his rotating writers in his Buffy and Angel days. Now, before I get into things, I am aware that Mr. Whedon is cancelled and that he probably won't ever work in the industry again. Don't at me, but there was a time where the man was putting out exceptional work that uh, really appealed to um, a significant uh, audience and, of course, was handed the reins of the Avengers film uh, not too long after this one. So this film was actually meant to come out in 2010, was going to be distributed by MGM, but they hit a bunch of financial difficulties and it was purchased by Lionsgate and didn't actually come out till 2012, uh, which is interesting because this film stars a pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth. So even though this came out after Thor, it is set before 
Thor. Now, Cabin in the Woods tells two stories in parallels. One of them is Brad Whitford and Richard Jenkins playing these two middle-aged office workers who seem to have an unusual job, something that seems to involve manipulating scenarios to achieve some kind of nefarious end. And the other story being told is the more typical five college kids heading to uh, an old spooky cabin in the woods for a a getaway and uh, then getting a little bit more than they bargained for. And so we're kind of jumping between this kind of workplace comedy and this more meat and potatoes uh, horror scenario and finding that maybe uh, they're starting to converge in some kind of interesting way. We'll get a, a little bit more into the story a little bit later, but did this work for you, this film, Rin? So at the start, I was kind of like, oh, this feels like it's going to be a bit painful, to be honest. (laughs) The more I thought about it, I was like, I feel like this movie is a bit of a satire, kind of taking the piss out of other, what do you call it, like horror films and the genres and stuff, you know. I had this thought of, I'm going to say like the basic bitch effect where, you know, they all kind of do things where they shouldn't be. You know, in horror films where you're like, don't go down there. And then they do, don't open that box. And they open the box, you know, things like that. So um, I kind of had that realisation. I don't know if this was done on purpose, but obviously all the characters look way too old to be in college. Like, I think that might have been something that was done on purpose, like to kind of take the piss out of college kids going away, you know, to somewhere spooky. But as the movie kind of went on, I kind of like I understood what was happening a bit more, like kind of it's a controlled environment to a degree. The two office middle aged men are kind of, I guess, the game masters um, in controlling what happens throughout the game. Like they release, you know, pheromones to make things like libido increase and, you know, make things hotter. So, you know, shirts come off, you know, things like that. It's a bit big brotherish, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a few of the cast members, like quite notable, you know, you got Chris Hemsworth from, you know, Thor fame, but also he was in Home and Away, everybody, Australian soap opera. Yeah, I'm Chris Hemsworth. I was in uh, Home and Away back in the day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's got Jesse Williams as well, which is, oh, I know him because I love Grey's Anatomy. So got like Bradley Whitford, which, you know, he's been in uh, most recently, uh, like uh, Handmaid's Tale. He was really funny. I really liked his character. But at the end, Sigourney Weaver. Hello. She pops in. I'm like, oh, oh. When she's in movies, you kind of, you take notice and you're like, oh, she's here and she's got something important to tell us. She's kind of one of those characters, right? <laughs> it was actually more gory than I thought it was going to be, especially because you told me like you didn't like scary things. And there was a few times I actually did jump, but I think it was like the jump scare music. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when things go, and then things happen and you, you know, obviously you jump and ah. yeah, I liked this film. Like I probably wouldn't watch it again because I, I know what's going to happen. I don't need to watch it again. But um, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was quite interesting because, yeah, like it was a bit Big Brother-ish in a way. Why do you like this film? Yeah, this is classic kind of roller coaster horror mm. and the comedy definitely helps. So Brad Whitford, uh, you mentioned some of his roles also from The West Wing. Richard Jenkins, probably best known by most people as the dad from Step Brothers. I think they're an absolute riot in this film. Mm. Um, there is one scene where Richard Jenkins is yelling expletives at a TV screen, which had me absolutely howling mm. at one point. It's that kind of 
pressure release thing, which I think this film gets pretty spot on. It's the kind of film that I would describe as rough around the edges. Just because of the lower budget, some of the CGI is a bit hit and miss. Uh, Again, practical effects is definitely the way to go with Mm -hmm. this genre as much as you can. And also the fact that it was kind of stuck in development limbo for a while. It was originally going to be converted to 3D and then that didn't happen. So there is a bit of a sense it's been cut up. You mentioned uh, the gratuitous cameo at the end. Didn't quite work for me. I love Sigourney, but um, it reminded me too much of Paul, where uh, the film Paul, where she basically does the same thing. She kind of shows up in the last few minutes as this character. I was like, oh, deja vu. (laughs) But it sounds to me, Rin, like you kind of got the joke, as in the joke being that this whole film is in some ways the most cliche horror film of all time. And that is the point to show that this is both a satire and a celebration of the horror genre Mm. because it's set in this universe where these cliche scenarios have to happen for a certain nefarious end. And it even gets a little bit um, Lovecraftian um, in the end there. If I was to pick at something, would be how dark it was. And I kind of struggled to see what was happening. That's probably my only pick. I don't like it when movies are so dark that I'm like, what's going on? I can't see it. You know, it's like a, was it like a DC movie? Sometimes they're really dark and I'm like, I can't see what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Mm. Overall, I quite liked it. And it's full of of Mr. Whedon's bag of tricks. So Mm. if anyone out there is a fan of Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Dollhouse, really any of his creative work over the last 20 years, this is going to satisfy you a lot. It's very quippy. It's got great uh, one-liners. There's always an undercutting to every spooky moment. Mm. There's uh, quite a few of his kind of reoccurring collaborators as well. Amy Acker is in here from Dollhouse. Um, Fran Kratz plays like the typical stoner friend and... (laughs) Actually gets quite a bit of screen time. He does. Quite good. He's the one who kind of, it's kind of funny because potentially the fact that he smokes so much weed is the reason why he's able to see through all this chemical manipulation. Because you usually go, oh, you're nutso. Like you're the conspiracist, right? (laughs) Yeah, but he's the one who actually kind of figures it out. Now, I've got to say that this film, the climax of it is extremely satisfying. Like Mm. I feel like it builds to this moment, elevator doors opening, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, which is just balls to the wall, like, what the heck? It's very, like, Stanley Kubrick as well, isn't it, when you think of elevators, right? Like, from The Shining, if we're talking about horror genre as well, you know. There's so many references here as well, both um, explicit and implicit. Very early on, they refer to a glitch happening in 1998. People have been trying to piece together what exactly they might be referring to Mm. there. Some people think it might be the film The Faculty, others other things. For me, this is really clever. Uh, I love meta-humour. I love that they went for a particularly dark apocalyptic ending Mm, as well mm, mm. and they kind of blow everything up. It does come down on the side of horror as a genre saying we like to see people do silly things and and, and whatever. Like Hunger Games does a similar thing where they're watching and manipulating the arena as such. That's quite creepy and eerie in itself. No one likes to think that we're at the mercy of, of unseen forces mm. that, uh, yeah, might have nefarious plans kind of thing. I think that's a pretty uh, primal kind of fear. Give it a look or give it a miss, Rin. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, give it a look, actually. Yeah, I quite enjoyed this movie. At the start, I thought, oh, gosh, like, I don't know. But then I started kind of going, oh, wait, I get the joke now. <laughs> 
I've heard other takes from people who maybe didn't get the joke or didn't think it was funny or didn't think it was very compelling. Spooky rating as well. We've got to get in there. Um, I am going to give this a, I think I'll give it a spooky rating because it is quite gory. Maybe two parts that I actually did jump. So I got the jump scare music uh, and it got me. Yeah, that's my verdict. I'm going to go spooky on this one. It's spooky. So Cabin in the Woods is currently streaming on Stan and The Nightmare Before Christmas you can find on Disney+. And if you have an opinion on either of these films or you just want to share what your favourite piece of horror or Halloween pop culture is, please reach out to us on socials. Where can people find us, Rin? Yeah, so on Twitter and Instagram, you, our handle is at giveitalookpod uh, and our email address is giveitalook1 at outlook.com. We're still waiting for our first email, so if you want to be first... Email us, tell us. And I was just going to say as well, feel free to interact with us on our socials. Uh, you know, it shouldn't take us too long to respond, uh, you know, and we, we just You just to stare at the screen all day, don't you? Just waiting for, for pop-ups to come. I wait for everybody. We don't have lives. That's right. No, exactly. I don't have a job. It's fine. Next week, uh, we actually found that we recommended a film to each other which kind of fall into the same genre. We're kind of doing some musicals next week, aren't we, Rin? Woohoo! yes. And I love musicals. So I am very, very excited for this. I am giving you, wait for it, Mamma Mia. I love that film. It makes me feel so good. Every time I put it on, I just, oh, I love it. Like great casting. You know, the cast is big blockbuster names as well. That's my recommendation to you. Good stuff. It'll take me back to my grade six graduation, which was ABBA themed. (laughs) Shout out, Mr. S. You're the best. Rin, it gives me so much excitement, genuine excitement and genuine pleasure to introduce you to the absolute pop culture behemoth that is Hamilton an American musical, technically not a film, technically a recording of a Broadway performance. But I only discovered this last year and it was one of those things where I was like, where has this been all my life? Why didn't I check this out earlier? And I'm so jealous and so keen to hear your thoughts on whether you liked it or not. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, It's been one of those things that's been on my list and everyone's like, you should watch this. And I just haven't got round to doing it. So no, I'm very, I'm very excited. So wonderful. It's a great way of bringing together the two, um, the two art forms that we've kind of explored so far with films and music. So that is it for our very first Halloween special. We really hope that uh, you enjoyed it. Anything else to sign off with, Rin? Uh, yeah, don't forget to follow us on our socials guys so again on twitter and instagram at give it a look pod uh, and feel free to email us again at give it a look one at outlook.com and remember don't eat too much candy or you will get diabetes we'll see you next time everyone bye bye